0: Before we begin with the Zichronot section of Rosh Hashanah, I just wanted briefly to return to the Malchiot. As we know, there is a dispute in the Gemara as to Malchiot. According to one view, Rabbi Akiva, the Malchiot consists of ten psukim, three from the Torah, three from the writings, which is the Psalms as we have it, three from the prophetic writings, and a tenth verse from the Torah. And Yochud and Benuri said no, that we require only three verses, one from the Torah, one from the writings, and one from the prophets. Now our practice is to follow Rabbi Akiva, and in addition, we combine the blessing of the day of Melech HaKol Aretz Mikadesh Yisrael V'yom HaZikaron, the Melech HaKol is Malchiot, B'Kadesh Yisrael Viomazi Karon is the blessing of the day. So we have put Malchiot into the fourth blessing and combined it with the blessing of the day. Yochanan Ben-Nuri, he said Malchiot in Kedushat Hashem in the third blessing, which talks of God's holiness or God's transcendence. And uh, so we follow Rabbi Akiva, but we have in effect also included the Malchiot of Yochanan Ben-Nuri. And the Malchit of Yochid and Ben-Nuri, presumably, is the very beautiful uh, statement that we make on Rosh Hashanah and, in fact, even on Yom Kippur, which begins with the words, Uvchein. And that little statement has several pieces. It begins with, Uvchein ten pachticha, Hashem secha So there we speak of God who will seems to be more of a statement, perhaps it's a statement and a prayer, that God will or should uh, place God's fear over the whole world. That's the first little paragraph. That God's fear, fear of God should be upon all of humanity, all of the world, the second statement also begins uvechein there was uvechein ten kavod Hashem uyamecha. there we don't speak of the whole world but it begins with uyamecha your people Israel and it speaks in that paragraph also of simchali arzecha sason irecha, speaks of the land and then it can narrows it down even more tzmichat keren g'david avdecha so it speaks of the land, and it speaks specifically of uh, the kingship of David, and that should happen speedily. So the second statement, kavodriam, is liamecha, it's a narrowing down, and the kingship of David, which presumably is reflective of the kingship of, of, of heaven. That's the second statement. The third statement, "Uv'Vech Tzadikim Yeruvi Yismachu," speaks not of David, not of Israel, but of the righteous. Righteous people will rejoice when, in fact, wicked kingdoms are abolished from the earth. When the rule of tyranny is eliminated, Tzadikim Yeruvi Yismachu, a further narrowing down. So we have the three uvechenes. The last two paragraphs, the fourth one, speaks about the hope that God will reign over all of God's creations. Hashem alone. In Zion, the place of your glory. Bi-Yerushalayim your holy city. And then we quote a verse. The verse is, Yimor Hashem Riolam. And that verse is a verse from the Psalms. The final paragraph, the concluding paragraph, the blessing, returns to God's holiness. You are holy and, and, and uh, awe-inspiring. There's no God other than you. And now we have another verse. And this is a verse from Yeshayahu, from Isaiah. The Lord of hosts is exalted through justice. The Holy God is sanctified through righteousness. Then the blessing, Baruch Hashem Hamelech HaKadosh. So the first thing that strikes us is that we have two verses. The first of which is from the Psalms. And the last verse, the second verse, is from the prophetic writings. What's missing is the verse from the Torah. If we had a verse of the Torah in the beginning, we would have exactly the pattern that we have in the rest of the Rosh Hashanah service. Torah, Psalms, prophetic statement. It's interesting that the paragraph begins with the words Uvachain. Uvachain sounds like, and therefore... So it sounds like there's something that precedes it. And perhaps what preceded it was the Torah verse. I would venture to say that the Torah verse that would be chosen because the verses have to mention the word king. So the logical verse would be Hashem yimroch riyo ram vayet. But that verse is actually missing. Many years ago, when I was teaching uh, the Rosh Hashanah, Davening, uh, we, uh, I mentioned that Uvachain suggests the Torah verse is missing, and I wonder why it's missing, and somebody suggested that perhaps the reason it's missing is this, that actually we don't have that many verses in the Torah that speak specifically of God as king. In fact, in the Malkiot section that we have, in the fourth blessing, we have we require four verses from the Torah that mention God is king. Three in the beginning and one in, as the tenth verse. The tenth verse, we don't have four verses in the Torah that mention God is king, which are appropriate to the Daviding. So therefore, we have conscripted as our fourth verse, Shema Yisrael. Though it doesn't mention God is king, the mitzvah of reciting the Shema is called Kabarat O Malchut Shamayim. It's the acceptance of God's kingship. So that's what we have chosen. So this fellow suggested that were we to cite the Torah verse in the Malchiot section of Yochanan Ben Nuri, we will already have mentioned the Torah verse that we wanted to say for later. It's, it's fundamentally, we're following Rabbi Akiva, we uh, choose not to mention the verse specifically, and we start with Uvechein. I was thinking that actually within the uh, the poem of Yochanan Benuri, that the, the Uvechein corresponds loosely to the very blessing of Kedushat Hashem. The blessing, the short blessing is Atah Kadosh V'Shimcha Kadosh. That's how it starts. You are holy, your name is holy, and holy ones praise you. You are holy is the first duvachem. Your name is holy. The name refers typically to a specific, often refers in the Bible to a specific sacred place. For example, the Torah calls the Temple more than once, HaMakoma SheYivchar Hashem, the place God has chosen, Ushakein Shimosham, to place God's name there. So that could correspond to the second Uvichain, which talks about Kavod Riyamecha Simcha Riyartzecha Sason your your land and your city, God's name. City being the Temple. And then the third uvachain, Sadikim yiru vi yismachu, relates to the continuation of the blessing. Atakadosh vishim kadosh yom, yaru Holy Ones praise you always. Holy Ones in the poem of Yochanim ben Nuri is uvachain, Sadikim Yeruvi vi yismachu visharim yaruzu, vachasidin berin the righteous ones, the pious ones, the saintly ones; these are the kedoshim. So, actually, uvechein may be related to, and therefore, taking into account the actual blessing of Atah Kadosh Bishimcha Kadosh, which in the Sephardic tradition is recited instead of Lador Vador G'od Lecha Uvechein. Having made that, sh- begun the short blessing before he completed. Let us embellish poetically what that means. It's a prayer that God's transcendence be recognized or will be recognized. It's a prayer that the sacred space will be connected to God's kingship. It's a prayer that the righteous ones will rejoice when the evil is eradicated from the world. And the last verse, of course, cited from Yeshayahu: "Va'yigvah <laughs> Hashem tzvot ba'mishpat." We conclude before we come to Amel HaKadosh by speaking of God being exalted in Mishpat, in justice, and Siddakah, in righteousness. Mishpat and tzedakah, of course, is what we as humans aspire to in terms of implementing uh, or providing the world with a system, with a just set of rules that we can can and should live by. It's a good lead-in for Yochanem bin the to the next section, which we'll come to shortly, which is the section of Zichronot. Now, what is Zichronot? Zichronot is the central blessing of Rosh Hashanah. Of the three blessings, it's the second one. It's the central one. And we have to remember that the very day of Rosh Hashanah in our liturgy is called Yom HaZikaron, the day of remembering. So the Second of the intermediate blessings deal with the idea of Zichronot. And fundamentally, in the Amidah, Zichronot has three different themes. The first theme of Zichronot is that of judgment. You remember. The, your, your ancient work, you are mindful of that which was formed in days of old. God is remembering zocher and also Pocade. Those words will reappear throughout the zichronot section. The text continues, Before you are revealed all hidden things, The mysteries from the beginning of time. There's no forgetfulness before your throne. Nothing is hidden from your eyes. You know, you remember every deed, nobody is kept out of your sight everything is open before you and known before you o God wrote you can see into the future to the end of time so this first first section over here which speaks of All things are known to you, you look to the end of all generations. So the idea over here is that, first of all, God knows everything. And God, in this section, as we'll see shortly, is clearly represented as a judge. God knows the things we say that perhaps we have forgotten. The Nishterot, the hidden things. And God also knows the future. That is to say, the emphasis on knowledge of the future presumably is that everything we do or have done has implications not only for the present but also for the future. God knows, we often do not, what impact our actions have throughout time. And this statement about God who knows everything. The continuation is From the very beginning you made this known. This day, the beginning of your work is a memorial of the first day. Mishpat Lelorei Yaakov. This day is an ordinance, statue for Israel, and a judgment for the God of Jacob. Now what that means, I believe, what the text is referencing, is the Midrash, found in several places, that the world was created on the 25th day of Elul, and that the 6th day of creation is the first day of Tishrei, which is Rosh Hashanah. In other words, this day, which is the day of judgment, our day of judgment, Rosh Hashanah, is in the text a, re- a remembrance of that first day. And what the, what the text is referring to is the idea that Adam was created The first chapter of the Torah describes Adam's creation. And on the day Adam was created, Adam partook of the forbidden fruit. That's the second creation narrative. And Adam was judged and sentenced on the very same day. So the day of creation in the Midrash is the day of disobedience and the day of judgment. So we, the text says, are entering into voluntarily entering into judgment, accepting the judgment upon ourselves on the very first day of creation, which is the sixth day of creation, the day of creation of the human being. And we are entering into that judgment. And today is a remembrance, a memorial of that first day of creation. So what the text is doing, actually, is recalling the story of Adam. In the first piece of this service, the person mounts the stage, is Adam. And Adam, of course, and Eve are not only individual people, but in fact they are humanity. And that's the continuation of this blessing. Medinot bo ye Concerning Medinot considering the nations, it can be said, rachalom, nations, not just the individual institution, conglomerates of people. Here it's nations. Medinot <coughs> means a nation But midinot is related to the word din, which is judgment. So, nations are set up, presumably, they have rules, they have laws. So here the nations themselves are judged. For peace or for the sword, will they be satiated, have enough food, or not? And not only that, and the created beings are held accountable, we ask to be remembered for life or death. Who was not held accountable on this day? Adam represents judgment. It's a judgment not just for a particular people, it's a judgment of the world, it's a judgment of created beings, and a judgment of nations. And then the text continues. And this judgment being held or called to account includes the record of every person, a person's deeds, a person's movements, a person's designs, and a person's impulses. All is known. And I would add to this, that in judging the individual, related to the word pokad means pokad is to count, pakad can mean to remember, like zakhar, to recount in English, but also to be held accountable. But it's related to a different word, which is the word tafkir or charge, or assignment. People are judged, says the text, not just objectively for the deeds that they do, but they're also judged have they carried out their particular assignment. Everybody has a particular task, a particular assignment. And God knows not just the deeds, but the thoughts, the excuses, the machinations, designs, and the impulses. So at this point in the service, This text describes what a king does. A king, in the Bible, is a judge. When the people want a king, in the book of Shemuel, they say, we want a king, the king will judge us. So this king, king of kings, is a judge who knows the past and the future, knows the effects of our actions, remembers every forgotten deed, the things that we don't remember. God remembers it all. And not only that, understands why we did it and can counter every argument we would make, every excuse. So at this point, it doesn't look very good for those that stand in judgment on Rosh Hashanah. But the blessing of Zikronot has a continuation with two more themes. And it's those themes that give us hope on Rosh Hashanah that we can stand before God, be judged, and continue to move forward.